Okay, just gonna hop right into it. Hop into it. Uh, so I guess, how have you been, Jean? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I've been good. I've been proactive. I learned the ukulele. That's, I think, an mm. accomplishment. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy because uh, well behind the scenes, Gene and I uh, I'm trying to get Gene into video games. Mm -hmm. So I just I'm gonna be selling her my Switch and I got a new one. So I did the the data transfer last night and I'm gonna be <laughs> handing that off to her this week. So yeah. it's exciting. Uh, in terms of other stuff, I feel like I've been at a good like content plateau right mm -hmm. now. Maybe a little I'm a little bit more tired than I mm -hmm. would like to be, but. Otherwise, like, I'm not, like... I I feel like the... Like, once you go over 27, tired is just, like, a, a new characteristic you add in 28. Maybe. And forever yeah. into adulthood, I think. Yeah, the thing is, I'm, like, a bit of a wimp when it comes to tiredness. And I'm just like, oh, well, if I'm tired, then I will nap. But I should just not do that anymore. Um, how's your no. sleeping schedule been, though? It's been a lot better, right? We had okay. a funny conversation about this, which was, like, it's because I watched a Vox video where they were experimenting about your natural wake-up times and i mm -hmm. i thought i was a night owl at first mm -hmm. and i think i'm not a night owl anymore i think my mm -hmm. natural sleep time is 1 30 a.m my natural wake-up time has been around like 7 38 i i was kind of surprised when i was waking up at seven without my alarm and i was like oh calvin was right like i'm a i'm a 1 30 type of girl not a 4 a.m mm -hmm. girl yeah i've at least up until like maybe the last week, I'd pretty much locked myself into a 12.30ish like bed and then 8.30 to 9ish wake up. Ooh. And now this like past week, I don't know what it's been. I've been like slowly shifting away from it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's mostly probably been like midday naps and then yeah. also sleeping at like two instead. Mm -hmm. I still like it's still enough that I get seven hours yeah. more or less mm -hmm. but it's still it could be better yeah. uh, like my body likes eight or nine hours of sleep but yeah uh i guess the reason that we're just talking about all this stuff is because gina and i kind of wanted to have an episode about mental health it's something that we haven't really talked we talked about things related to mental health like mm -hmm. boundaries uh, whether it's right to leave your job but we haven't talked specifically about mental health mm -hmm. uh, as a disclaimer like obviously gina and i are not experts uh we are in design and client work and stuff so and being it's creative. mostly yeah so it's mostly about like our experiences with mental health and like how we maintain our mental health what we see that works mm -hmm. and how we think that um i don't know how things how things work best for us more mm -hmm. or less yeah i think it, like in more of a, like a, a friend manner instead of like a you know professional manner where it's like oh like these are things that we talk about that have helped us personally and like hopefully mm -hmm. they can help you as like a friend to a friend yeah, and keep in mind that Gina and I didn't do any research. We were literally just talking about like what we think and yeah. what we've noticed. So don't think think of it as gospel. Like mm -hmm. obviously things can change. Mm -hmm. uh, also, the other thing that we wanted to point out is that we're going to be talking more about like solo mental health, but mm -hmm. we know and we want to acknowledge that like a lot of things that can contribute to mental health are things in our communities and like our friendships and relationships. So we're mostly going to be talking about self care. But yeah, so uh, today we're going to be talking about the ways that we manage our mental health in a world where it feels difficult to do so. Mm -hmm. I'm Calvin. And I'm Jean. And this is 27, a podcast about growing up. So Calvin, um, what is what does poor mental health maintenance look like if we're jumping straight into it? <laughs> I mean, 
obviously, if you feel depressed or anxious, I would say that that's pretty poor health maintenance <laughs> um, or poor mental health maintenance. If you're feeling like really low energy or if you're feeling really high strung, if you're not, you know, in the middle, mm -hmm. if you're feeling kind of either way too stimulated or absolutely not stimulated enough, those can be pretty big indicators that something is maybe not going in your direction. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's kind of like think of your favorite food you want to eat, whether it's like ramen or a sandwich or sushi. And when you take a bite into it, you know something's missing, but you don't know what. And I would, I would describe that as poor mental health maintenance because you don't know the what is min missing part versus like, or like good like maintenance would be you take a bite into your sandwich, but you know what's missing. So it's up to you whether like next time you want to add in the hot sauce or add in the mayo and you're okay with it this time, not having it, or you're actually just going to get up and then go get the mail and add it in. Yeah, I think that applies to positive things too. Like mm -hmm. if you're really happy, like uh, especially people who are like bipolar, people who are manic depressive, like if you're super happy and you have no idea why, it's not even just that like if you feel bad, mm -hmm. it's just a general uh, lack of connection to mm -hmm. what you're feeling. Yeah, for like easier words, it's just self-awareness. You and your emotions have like you share responsibility like mm -hmm. obviously there are times where your emotions are going to take control and mm -hmm. then like you you don't have a lot of agency over exactly how you feel or you don't want to like force mm -hmm. what you think you should feel on your actual feelings mm -hmm. but there also is a, a, a amount of control that we have over like how we feel mm -hmm. and how we want to like look at things and how we want to like frame them in our minds mm -hmm. so just feel better no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh my God. The, po the point is more like there are steps that you can take, whether that is like seeking medication mm -hmm. or um, trying to like improve things in your life that mm -hmm. you can take. It's not impossible. Yeah. Is what I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that good mental health isn't feeling happy all the time. Very level, very well adjusted. People still have really bad moments where, mm -hmm. you know, like a family member might pass mm -hmm. or they might have like financial struggles. Mm -hmm. But the difference between having good mental health maintenance and having poor mental health maintenance is mm -hmm. that when you are able to understand the source of what's ailing you mm -hmm. and have the energy to like work towards a solution mm -hmm. being able to be in a space where you're you have those two things mm -hmm. is a sign that you're able to take care of yourself very well yeah you have you don't have like a extremely negative or extremely positive relationship to factors in your life you have a very content relationship and that could be like or oh, even when, indifference. Or yeah, or indifference. Just like, yeah. These are things that happen. Mm -hmm. Like say if you were to go buy a new shirt that you wanted, like the relationship you have to yourself buying that shirt isn't because like you're trying to find self-worth in that shirt or like you feel a negative relationship to money buying that shirt, but you're like escaping. It's you're just indifferent to it. You're like it. it I just want it. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting um, example because I think it really relates to, at least for like young people, Consumerism. this idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I think a lot of people um, our age and younger have this relationship where either they are agonizing over making a purchase, like, you know, buyer's remorse mm -hmm. going crazy, mm -hmm. or they are so ecstatic, so crazy, so, mm -hmm. so euphoric about like buying this new shirt, this new outfit, mm -hmm. or uh, like a, a new phone or something. Mm -hmm. And then I guess it like is kind of indicative of like all of us are kind of going through this anxious, depressive mm -hmm. situation, which I think if you're on any corner of the internet with yeah. young people, 
it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Uh, what do you think is causing that? Like, what do you think is making us all <laughs> so anxious or so depressed? Well, I think because we believe that the world is dying, I think is like I mean, one thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's super um, true. With like, yeah. we're obviously in a panorama. Yeah. But there's also like the recent climate report that came out has like created so much panic in everybody. And I understand, like, it's reasonable. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. And we should be worried about it. But it's also like, it's the worst kind of stress because it feels so big and far away, but also so close and personal at the same time. And there's nothing that you can do as a, as a teeny tiny person. Yeah. But obviously you're dropping the book, it helps. But then there's also the corporation is like, ah, there's like, I, you send you yourself know, into that. I ha- Sorry, she's going to riff off a little bit on that because I have been seeing uh, like, you know, more of the climate report and everything. Um, what I think stresses me out a little bit more is like, you care now, which is great, but you also contribute to the problem still, which mm-hmm. stresses me out even more. I'm like, stop, then stop fast fashion here. Stop promoting these brands that contribute to it. Stop Amazon priming everything every day. I'm like, you're, you know, it's kind of like those things I think stress me out a little bit more where it relates back to the whole gene likes for things to be in control a certain way, where I'm like, yeah. if you know what the problem is and you know what the solution is, you just have to get to the solution, but you're not getting there which freaks me out. Jane. Yeah. Sorry. We're talking about mental health. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Obviously, we, we, uh, Jean, Jean has feelings, um, which affects her mental health. There you go. Okay. Uh, and her ability to stay on <laughs> On tribe. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm like, go, uh, Calvin, go. I was going to say, another reason I think that mental health is becoming like a bigger thing in the spotlight and why people are so vocal about talking about their mental health mm-hmm. is... We have like another generation that's aging into the workforce. Mm -hmm. Gen X was really like, work sucks, but like, well, just another cog in the machine, yeah. And millennials were like, kind of similar, honestly, kind of like cog in the machine, like uh, I'll complain a lot, but I'll deal with it. But Gen Z, I think is very different where there is conversation and maybe the most workplace discontent that there's been in a while. And I think that that obviously contributes a lot to mental health, the, the slowly expanding Scope of capitalism. <laughs> oh, I I was like, when is Calvin going to be like Calvin talking about capitalism? Um, but I think one thing I really appreciate about uh, Gen Z is how how they're kind of like unafraid to advocate for themselves. Mm-hmm. Like they don't not all the things that the generation you know just putting it under a scope. Like not all the things that the generation does like is a, a green flag or a green light for me. But I'm very appreciative of the fact that like whether it's kind of like cringy or uncringy, how how they're unafraid to advocate for what they want. And I think that's mm-hmm. something I kind of want to embody a little bit more. I'm like, dang. I guess the thing that we want to drive home with this part of the conversation is that like, it's pretty normal. We think that like, there are this, these feelings that creep up. And especially because it's not super prevalent of a thing in our culture to talk about mental health, it's hard to have the tools to manage it. So like, if you have poor mental health, or you feel like you're not able to manage your like situation all that well, it's totally okay. And there's a lot that's happening. I also want to point out that like, there was probably this feeling of poor mental health also in the past. People just didn't talk about it. Yeah. Because like, obviously we think the world is ending right now and like it very well could, Mm -hmm. but that also, that feeling also happened in the eighties with Mm -hmm. the cold war and it Mm -hmm. happened in the sixties with the Vietnam war and Mm -hmm. it happened in the forties with With world war two. Yeah. (laughs) 
It's so every, there's yeah. always this feeling of dread. I think what, what's really great now is that people are talking about it mm -hmm. um, and trying, especially now, like, like we said, with the workplace and stuff, people are like trying to enact change in a way that's really great mm -hmm. um, because with the amount of information that we have, like there's more reach than ever to like do something about it. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times some people don't feel like they can do anything. Especially as you're like going through different generations, it's like there's also just been so much that's been built up that has been, been talked about. And I think getting to, you know, the last generation that we're at, everyone wants to talk about it, which in again, the great way is that like it has other pe other folks be open to talk about it, too. I just wish that like when they're like, oh, we're going to talk about mental health, like people weren't like, oh, you know, like mm -hmm. <laughs> that's definitely a thing. I think that happens more so in our generation and older when we're like, oh, we're going to talk about mental health. And they're like, oh, you just get through it. And I was like, well, mm -hmm. you you say that, but then like generations after that, like that trauma and that history does get embedded somewhere else. What I kind of want to circle to was like our identities as Asian American kids and especially uh, with what our parents had gone through. One of the things that I think makes mental health a little bit hard in particular to our identities is the guilt that we have as like immigrant kids. You see the sacrifices that your parents have made and you feel a little guilty on like, is it okay for me to do this? Is it okay for me to feel this? Do I have to like contribute back this way, you know? Or like, is it okay for me to strive for something that either includes you or doesn't include you? And I think that like extra factor weighs a little bit different on kids who are dealing with immigrant parents because, you know, it kind of affects the relationship that you have for decisions that you make rather than feeling indifferent. You're like thinking of all of the things happening at once. And I guess just to be proactive about the situation, um, we wanted to talk about a couple of our stories in terms of like mental health um, and our journey with it and be a little bit like open about how things have been for us. Uh, I guess I will start mm -hmm. and I'll talk about like starting from college going on to now, like how things have shifted for me and like high, high points and low points. Mm -hmm. um, in college, I felt like stuff was pretty okay. I got stressed about classes and I have a tendency to like hold off on things to the last minute, but I didn't really feel this like pervasive sense of dread while I was in college. Uh, that didn't really start happening until I started working. So my my, men my mental health in college honestly wasn't really well maintained, mm -hmm. but I didn't feel the negative effects of it at all. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have any incentive to change it, which mm -hmm. I mean, I think it happens to a lot of people. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know, I wasn't sleeping well. I wasn't yeah. eating well. One thing that I did do a lot was I did walk a lot mm -hmm. and I, I like was with my thoughts and like with music and with people a lot. So that was also really helpful. But mm -hmm. in terms of like eating well and like, uh, sleeping while that was mm -hmm. not happening. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, once I started working, uh, I think the combination of like those bad habits plus like being in a stressful environment kind of like put me into a tailspin. Mm -hmm. I've talked about it at length about like what my working experience was like while I was in an office. But I think the main negative was that I just like wasn't able to handle um, pretty much anything that was coming at me at work. <laughs> I, I saw I saw this diagram that was like the it's like a it was like a pyramid mm -hmm. where it's like at the bottom is like pretty typical well adjusted behavior. Mm -hmm. And then like in the middle was like your fight or flight response. And then above that, like even at a higher stress level is like a freeze, mm -hmm. which is, you know, like a deer at headlights. You're yeah. just like not able to do yeah. anything. And I felt like I was cycling between 
freeze <laughs> and fight or flight where it's like i was either not doing anything and stressed yeah. out of my mind or just a little bit stressed yeah. and able to like use that frantic energy to do all my work so i was like teetering between those two when i should have been teetering between fight or flight and <laughs> normal but you know what i mean yeah I was just like imagining you were teetering between a deer in headlights and like a jackrabbit, whether he was gonna kick Pretty much. or not. Yeah. Pretty much. And that was really bad, mm -hmm. obviously. Uh, I started going to therapy weekly um, during that moment because I was like, you know what, like I'm hitting a point where like I have to do something about it. Mm -hmm. um, and luckily I was, I had like the, the drive to get to that point. I think it even took me six months from when I said I would start going to therapy to like my actual first session. Mm -hmm. So like it's a really long process mm -hmm. to figure stuff out. I think people, whenever they tell a story, they don't really give dates. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it took me six months from I'm going to therapy to Go to I therapy. am at my first session <laughs> of therapy. <laughs> um, and maybe that's partially because of the American healthcare system, but mm -hmm. it's also because like it's it's hard to change your life in that yeah. way and it's also um, scary like, that's i think that's the thing too it's it's scary and i mean i think that was like sort of the high point with my like mental health journey mm -hmm. is that like i started to take active steps my therapist was really good about like identifying with me what my goals were and then helping keep me accountable to them so that was really nice mm -hmm. once i left my job um and started working with studio dbj I mean, I've obviously been stressed since. Uh, the, like we said earlier, the difference between stress and poor mental health maintenance, I was in the stress camp, mm -hmm. but I knew what I needed to do and how to do it. And part of that is because of the things that I did in therapy. And part of that is also because like, I was so stressed out at work that I was like, I'm not that stressed out, so I can do this. Yes. <laughs> it, ga it gave me like, <laughs> it gave me like a ruler to measure like, I'm not there. So that means I can do this. Yeah, I feel so, you on that. <laughs> and even if I got back up there, I'd be like, well, I've done this before. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I feel like the combination of putting into practice good, better, not good, mm -hmm. just better mm -hmm. um, practices. And then also like having something to compare it to yeah. has been like really good for me. Yeah, I think that was the funny thing that we both were like, well, we, we had a, a point where we're like, oh, no, this is bad. And like, we're like... You know, nothing could be as bad as like that point, like four mm. years ago. So I was like, I guess my story, Calvin, because I feel like I talked a lot about like college and work already. I don't know if I talked a lot about it, but I feel like I talked a lot about it. And yeah, it was like uh, not the greatest, greatest of moments uh, for a few years. And I think also because I like didn't know who I was before, too. But kind of like the next level of it is I think my tattoo story throughout the whole situation. I love your mental health story through tattoos. <laughs> so there's this wonderful TikTok <laughs> of like, oh, why go to therapy when you could just pay money to go get tattoos? And I was like, oh, that's so relatable. That's a little too relatable. I was like, yeah. Um, because, you know, writing in a journal can sometimes be a little bit too much work when your hands get tired and you have too many feelings. Um, so, so just sit down in a leather chair for yeah. two hours. Yeah. <laughs> So I started getting tattooed probably around like 23. Um, and at that point, I thought I was like wanting to rebel against the system and, you know, also wanted to be super artsy and everything. Like she was initially only supposed to get like a three inch small koi fish tattoo mm. left with the eight and a half inch piece on her weenus, you know, that really, really hurt. <laughs> um, I thought it was on your in. Oh, no, no, it was on your outer. Yeah, I thought it was, it was on your inner. Your isn't, inner that, isn't that the weenus? Or no, no is that's that? This. Dang it. 
<laughs> Backtrack, not the weenest, the inside of a, inside of a, this is why Jean's not um, a doctor as her family wanted her to be. But, uh, you know, so she left with like an eight and a half inch blue koi fish four hours later for her first tattoo. Shocked her workplace. Wonderful. Um, and I thought that was like a one and done situation. Little that I know that I would start getting tattooed on my whole arm because I was just trying to escape. And this kind of goes into the self-awareness on like, you need to know what's what, what are the factors that are causing you to want to escape or like, like, you know, keep your mental health a little bit more in check? Because I didn't know. So every time I thought like the world was getting away from me or I didn't feel like I was embedded in it, I was like, I'm gonna go get tattooed. And I was like, oh yeah, this shit kind of hurts. Like, oh yeah, like I am real, you know? Um, so for a good moment, I think, I think you were there too, like, cause you went with me to one of them. Uh, where I was like, I went from zero to a hundred, I think real fast on my arm. Mm -hmm. And then there was one moment when uh, I wasn't at the office anymore. I wasn't really doing the things I was doing before quitting anymore. And I was like really in the path of uh, Studio DBJ. And like the last tattoo I got, I was like, oh no, like this, this felt right. Like it didn't feel like I was trying to escape or anything. It felt like, oh, I wanted to do this because I wanted to do this. And that like, I wasn't trying to double check that I was like still here. And I was like, yeah, that that was the tattoo story of like what has happened to Jean's arm. So, <laughs> I guess what has been like the theme or like the big lesson uh -huh. that you've taken away from like that that growth? Like, mm -hmm. what is the thing that you're working on most about yourself? Probably. Well, one, recognizing what are what are triggers for sure that make me feel a little bit like I'm not here. Um, mm -hmm. which has been very helpful in terms of like recognizing what those factors are. And then uh, recognizing that like some of the things that I thought I was doing because I wanted to do them in terms of whether it's self-care or like what I thought was my personal interest was actually escapism, mm -hmm. um, which is very hard to identify, I think, because like you don't realize that you're trying to like jump out of something until you're like, oh, I'm not doing that thing anymore. Because that's what I realized. I was like, oh, I don't really want to get tattooed as much as I did before. Like back then, I think between the wonderful age of like 23 to 26, I was like always wanting to get a tattoo. And I was mm. like, why do I want to do that? Like I've moved on to piercings now, but you know, but you know, I think, um, uh, I think I don't feel the urge to like want to jump so fast anymore. I'm a little bit more, I think careful about where I want to go and what I want to get. And also like the relationship I have with the people who are with me. And I like, you know, that's kind of what's happened now where I feel much more self-aware and much more in the better sense instead of the negative sense of in control versus like trying to control things and trying to like go against things to make sure I'm here. I think the, the main thing that I've taken away and the main thing that I am working on I think I grew up with a sense of like not feeling like I was able to like dictate my destiny and like what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And the like growth of me as an adult has been like being able to take responsibility and control over like the things that I want and making those known. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Gina and I were talking about it earlier. I just like, I don't like to be told what to do. Um, and I didn't realize that about myself until pretty recently. Uh, not recently as in like, not like last month, but I mean recently, like a couple of years ago, where I'm just like, oh, when I, when somebody's like trying to tell me what to do, I will do it, but I will I will drag my feet the entire way and let them know. <laughs> and I didn't realize that I was doing that until pretty recently, like like I said, a couple of years ago. 
It's it's just I, funny because you and I were talking about this before when you're like, you don't like being told what to do. And I was like, oh, I struggle with trying to make sure things are in control. And we're just laughing about like, honestly, how these two things don't really work so well with each other, but we recognize it and we're both working on it. I think it's a funny mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, because I, I think... Um... Jean said to me uh, at some point that like what she's been working on is like relinquishing control Mm -hmm. and like realizing that other people might have things together and like figure it out. Even if it's not like at her high standard that things will get done. (laughs) So the unlikely team, the two of us. We are, we are working on it. Um, I was like, I guess Calvin, what, what made you realize that? Was there something that you made like that made you go, oh, I don't like this. I don't really know. I don't think there. I don't think there's like a a focal like yeah. great story that uh-huh. I can tell. I can think of like a couple of moments where um, it became clearer to me. Mm-hmm. Kind of like like when I was at my old job, I would just wake up and be like, nah, no. like I'm like not today, <laughs> uh, and I'd still go and I wouldn't like I wouldn't get very much done and. Uh, like much like <laughs> I feel bad <laughs> admitting that, but like it's true, it's true. Uh, and then I'd be like, okay, well, uh, <laughs> but yeah. I, I mean, like I think what really set it off was work because mm-hmm. work was something where my brain was constantly, or uh, when, when I was at my engineering job, mm-hmm. my brain would always be like, don't do this, like mm-hmm. go, like get out of here, yeah. <laughs> and, and I'll be like, no, like I should keep going, like yeah. this is my job, <laughs> like I should do it, <laughs> but I think. The the hard part there too was like it was me telling myself what to do. I was like, don't yeah. tell me what to do, yeah. me. <laughs> and I was like split in half um, between like I, I talk I, I say it in this way to my therapist because I remembered it from psychology. It was like mm-hmm. my super ego, like mm-hmm. my morals and my like ethics and stuff versus my like what I actually want to do, mm-hmm. like my little kid. Yeah. So I was like, it wasn't me. Yeah. It was like the parent side of my head and yeah. the kid side of my head. <laughs> fighting <laughs> and then me being like i'm not working <laughs> you're just sitting there like um and i'm like i don't know what to do because i can't use my brain because these two are fighting the adult calvin and kid calvin are fighting so real calvin can't do anything <laughs> and that happened so much at work and i was like i can't and then that i guess that was the the spark of like i don't like to be told what to do and this this one is telling this one One what to do do. (laughs) what made you realize that you don't like that that you'd like to have control i guess yeah which was it's a very um it's a whiteout sorry i had like a weird (laughs) trigger thing in my throat but no it was a whiteout that made me realize what do you mean by that well I, the funny thing first was you told me, Gene, if you just take 15 seconds, like things will be so much easier and clearer. I think that kind of, kind of started it off a little bit where, uh, if I had just taken 15 seconds to like name the file correctly, right. Life would be so much easier. But I think I took that a little too far and like spent an extra 15 minutes, not minutes, sorry, 15 seconds, like writing neat, much neater in my notebook, which I've shown you many times. It looks, I think it looks great. Um, cause now I can read my notes instead of like this doctor scribble situation. But I think because of that, I was able to like, oh, I can keep things in control, right? Keep things organized and neat and like in a, in a specific manner that I know what's happening. But when things, I started messing up on my writing, I was like, I need whiteout. <laughs> and I was like, I just, I just want whiteout to be able to like make it right to like 
fix it to make it right. And then one day I didn't have whiteout, mm. <laughs> and I just kind of like freaked out. <laughs> I was just like, I can't find whiteout. I need to go to the store to get whiteout. But I, it took me so long to get to the store to go get whiteout. So like for a few days, I was like driving myself a little insane because I was like, I need, either need to write it correctly, or if I'm gonna scratch it out, it's gotta look nice. So in, sol- in solving a problem for you, I created a new one. <laughs> Almost like this is a better problem to have, I think.、Um, so now, like the new thing that I'm trying to do is like let it go, like embody Elsa and just like let it go, let her do her thing, you know.、Um, mm. Which some days I think are easier when I realize that like the consequence isn't isn't so urgent or isn't so high. The harder days are when I feel like. Like it's really out of my control, and I'm like, I'm trying to really let go, but I'm like, I need to know where the progress is. You just gotta tell me where the progress is. I love that both of us illustrate very clearly the fine line between like being able to like manage and get things together, and then also like being unhinged, <laughs> because we both have that same、um, that same impulse of like when something is wrong, fix it immediately.、Mm-hmm. Which can, to some people, look like oh, like they have it together because they want to like get things done. And, but to a certain extent, like it's us also trying to be. Like, <laughs> Please give, ex- give, let me exact control、yeah. over every facet of my life. Because、uh, I have the same thing where it's、mm-hmm. like if you've seen me, you've seen it happen to me where it's like I will notice in like my bank statements、yeah. something's wrong with my insurance,、yeah. and then I will spend the next two hours working it out immediately and not being like oh well I'll call them. Over the weekend,、yeah. or maybe I'll do it tomorrow morning. Like,、yeah. no, I have to do it literally right now, now. or else my entire <laughs> life, life is, is ruined. Is <laughs> done. <laughs> oh, so funny! You know, like when when those moments happen, I definitely like. I'm like, especially on Fridays, where I'm like, it's Friday, like、mm-hmm. nothing is gonna get really resolved on Friday. Leave it for over the weekend or Monday, essentially. Like, cause、mm-hmm. my goal now for us is definitely to like have nicer Fridays. And the、right. only way to have nicer Fridays is if Jean lets it go. <laughs>、um, I guess we're talking about moments where we get kind of manic or kind of crazy.、Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, like the preferred situation is that we're kind of at the same level all the way through.、Mm-hmm. Why do we strive for that? Do, why do we strive to be leveled all the way through? Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, one, it's kind of nice to not be bouncing on the walls all the time, you know. Like, but it's so much fun. It's so much fun. It's like a bounce house. <laughs> no, <laughs> it hurts. I don't know about you, but it hurts.、Um, at least for me, what what I kind of like to know, which you know, goes back into the control and self awareness issues and all that that situation, is that I want to know how to reset and I want to know. What are my triggers essentially? Because the more self awareness you have, I think the more you realize that it's not about you, right? It's about、mm. things in your environment that are triggering you or that are making you kind of go haywire a certain way. Whether it's like extremely happy or super depressed or like extremely angry, and then、mm. when you realize that these things that are like triggering you don't really have to actually deal with who you are. I think it's a lot easier to stay level and reset yourself, and then you can kind of start from ground zero again, and just kind、mm-hmm. of go through your your day in like a healthy manner is the best way to say、mm-hmm. it, rather than like a high stressed or like anxiety driven day.、Mm-hmm. It also just like feels good to be not, <laughs> you know, <laughs> either too high or too low, you know, like, <laughs> and 
it lets you kind of influence your environment like mm -hmm. oh like when you're in that moment of calm like oh how can i make this space a more calming space mm -hmm. i hate saying stuff like that because it sounds so like <laughs> woo it sounds so like yeah. you know but it's true mm -hmm. it's like it's nice to ha be in a place where you that your environment reflects your insights mm -hmm. you know yeah or it can like make you feel more calm mm -hmm. um and then like the benefit of being able to stay level is that once you get to a good like evenness with like whatever stress you're at it allows you to take like calculated risks mm -hmm. it's kind of like um when you're trying to get a get a higher salary mm -hmm. or like with gene and i like trying to uh get you know better months in terms of mm -hmm. our finances it's mm -hmm. like we're comfortable at this point so that means that now that we're comfortable here we can make those extra calls or mm -hmm. we can make we can reach out to people and like try to get to another level so that we can make that the new and then kind of go up and up and then it lets us make bigger risk get bigger projects work yeah. on things that we're much more proud of mm -hmm. now i think it's um even in that sense that you're talking about like and especially the whole idea of calculated risk like you feel progress happening right like you you're aware of what's going on and you feel progress happening versus like when you're not really sure of what's going on and you're you're taking all these risks whether it's impulsive or not you don't know what's working for you right? which i think is mm -hmm. kind of like why it's important to make sure that you have things that keep you in check and also like you start to recognize what are what are things that are affecting your mental health and what are things that are affecting circumstances around you because then you can actually track yourself to see like am i doing better or actually am i self-sabotaging myself you know like that's a that's a thing which i think um, is a good transition into our tips um mm -hmm. because i think your big tip was like tracking and understanding your baseline is like the best way to maintain and like improve mm -hmm. like, yourself as a person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like tracking what it, that essentially means is like there's something you want to know, whether like you are starting to recognize that, hey, I am starting to doubt myself a lot. Like, I wonder why I'm doubting myself a lot. Like a lot of I think creative folks will say it's imposter syndrome. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's actually not imposter syndrome, but it's really something else. So you kind of start to say like around week three or around this time of the year or around this certain type of project, I'm starting to self-doubt myself. And then you kind of write down what's going on in the day, whether it's, are you sleeping enough? Are you, do you have a lot of projects going on? Are you actually drinking too much or are you going out too much? Like kind of starting to track certain factors in your day for maybe about two weeks. Like you honestly don't have to do it that long. You can do it much longer if you want to, but what you're trying to do is find that common factor on what's actually contributing you to a positive day versus a negative day or like a positive relationship to your to your confidence level and what's causing self-doubt. And then at the end of the day, you might realize tequila is not my best friend, right? You Maybe you just need to actually pull back on the alcohol or hey, I've been sleeping at 4 a.m. every day. That's not going to work out for me. And then you yeah. can really use that to help you improve yourself or like at least get better to a certain extent. I think my biggest tip is usually like whenever people say they have tips for like helping, usually those things are true and <laughs> it sucks. I am always I used to be that kind of person, too, where it's like, oh, you should sleep normally and make your bed every day. Mm -hmm. And it's like. No, I would never do that. What? That's so stupid. Yeah. And then you sleep regularly and you make your bed every day and you're like, oh, that was actually nice. That actually kind of helped a lot. Yeah. Uh, 
and I think it, it, it kind of goes back to like that the impulse for that I have at least of like I don't like to be told what to do mm-hmm. and I'm like nah you, you can't tell me that I'm gonna figure out the thing that works specifically for me and then I'm like oh the thing that works specifically for me is the thing that works for like 99% Everyone. of people yeah. and that's like we're it makes sense yeah where it's like <laughs> you know also drinking water helps out oh my god so much you know i think i was i felt a lot better when i cut back on how much coffee i drank in a day and i was like who would have thought Mm. water (laughs) coffee has me spinning for like 12 hours Mm -hmm. like literally i will come down from a 10 a.m coffee at like 8 p.m Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think that pretty much wraps up everything we wanted to say Mm mm-hmm Oh wait! Actually, to- so sorry. Before before you wrap up, I realized one actual actually one good thing to incorporate into your day two or into your life is having hobbies. Makes oh my god! Yeah, makes for great mental health practice. Is what I mm-hmm. think. Like I, I forgot. Like when we were in school, we had so many things going on that you know having hobbies was kind of like oh I don't want to do homework, so I'm gonna have hobbies. But how actually really great and helpful that is for you. Um, Because given now that our jobs are our hobbies, you know, Um, but I was like, yeah, having finding new hobbies to do really help you a lot because you're not just like stuck in that one zone all the time. Again, it's one of those things where you feel kind of like indignant to the things that people used to do. Mm -hmm. But like people love knitting. Mm -hmm. Knitting's really fun. Woodworking's really fun. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are like, no, that's old Old people stuff. Yeah. But it's also like really meditative yeah. and it's nice to like create stuff, yeah. you know? Yeah, we, we thought that this was going to be a bit of a heavier episode, but mm-hmm. I don't think it actually ended up being. Well, we'll mm-hmm. see what happens in the edit. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I guess the lesson from that is like maybe talking about mental health can be fun mm-hmm. and casual and it doesn't have to be like <laughs> pouring your yeah. soul. Uh, unless you're going to your therapist, then you should mm-hmm. probably pour your soul. Yeah, yeah. But otherwise, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate y'all showing up for the show. Uh, I forgot to paste my closing notes so i should put those i should put that in the template uh what do we say if you want to listen to our other episodes or share episodes with friends you can find us on apple podcasts and on spotify and Um, on youtube now oh yeah and on youtube now the last piece for lemon pup from angela Wynn is gonna go up on this newsletter and we have a really exciting um newsletter guest artist for the next quarter so mm-hmm. keep on a lookout for that and sign up on our website studiodbj.com if you scroll around a little bit you'll be able to get a little opt-in and then you can sign up for it there mm-hmm. otherwise i think that's pretty much it i think um, that is catch us for yeah. an episode i think we will finally have an actual special guest for the next episode <laughs> even though we keep saying it and it doesn't happen but i think this time we actually will I think so, so uh, look forward to hearing yeah. about that But yeah, uh, thank you all again, and uh, we'll catch you next month. Mm -hmm. Okay, bye. Bye.